medical terminology is confusing. Most of us don't have, you know, a lot of history. Maybe we watch shows on TV like Grey's Anatomy or whatever, but and you have some basic knowledge, huh? But, you know, maybe you've heard these words, but you don't understand what they mean. So really ask those questions. Don't worry about being assertive. You're the advocate for this person, right? So you need to ask those questions. Have them repeat it if you don't understand it. Explain it in detail to you. And take notes. Keep a notebook with you. I mentioned this last week in our ICU podcast. Welcome to Aging in Style, the podcast dedicated to celebrating aging and what it takes to do it well. I'm Lori Williams. I'm a certified senior advisor and senior housing expert. In each episode, you'll learn stories of older adults who are thriving in their 70s, 80s, 90s, and in some cases, in their hundreds. Whether you're an older adult or the child of an older adult, this podcast is filled with insightful resources, organizations that are doing incredible work, and stories that will inspire you to volunteer, learn, and who knows, maybe even skydive in your golden years. Hi, welcome to today's episode of Aging in Style. Last week, um, we talked about the ICU and some tips to know if you ever are in the ICU caring for a loved one. Today, I want to expand on that and talk about being a patient advocate for a loved one when they're in the hospital. So it's just sort of a, a continuation of my husband's journey, to be honest with you. A lot of times, we don't realize until we're in the situation. We kind of, you know, have a vague idea of how things work in the hospital, especially as I work in senior living. So, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who are in the hospital and then have gone to rehab, et cetera. But (laughs) experiencing it is a whole new thing. So I made some notes to share with you just things that that I noticed, um, some things that I found to be very, very eye-opening and Quite honestly, I feel this experience was really going to make me a better advocate for the seniors that I help in my business. So to get started, I just want to give some, I guess, like really some characteristics or some some things to really think about if you are going to be the advocate for someone. And being an advocate, you could be, you know, the spouse, could be a child, the adult child taking care of your mom or dad could be a grandchild. So an advocate could be anyone. It could even be a neighbor if you're caring for an elderly neighbor maybe who has no family member. So an advocate could just it could really honestly be anyone. But as an advocate, I feel like you need to have all of these things I'm going to talk about, all of these characteristics. So number one, I feel like you have to be very assertive. You have to be willing to ask questions. And if you don't understand what the doctor is telling you, you need to ask again and get clarification. Doctors are are busy, you know, they're in a hurry, but they will stop and answer your questions. And I feel like a lot of times older people are afraid to really to ask the doctors questions. Maybe they, you know, kind of come from it with that great, you know, respect They were raised that doctors know everything, don't question the doctor. And um, I mean, it's great. Of course, we are respectful of of doctors and medical professionals. But if we don't understand something, we need to ask. We need to ask those questions and they need to take the time to explain that to us. Medical terminology is confusing. Most of us don't have, you know, a lot of history. Maybe we watch shows on TV like 
Grey's Anatomy or whatever, but and you have some basic knowledge, ha. Huh? But you know, maybe you've heard these words, but you don't understand what they mean. So, so really ask those questions. Don't worry about being assertive. You're the advocate for this person, right? So you need to ask those questions. And like I said, have them repeat it if you don't understand it. Explain it in detail to you. And take notes. Keep keep a notebook with you. I mentioned this last week in our ICU podcast that, you know, have a notebook. If for some reason, like I didn't have a notebook with me, I was taking notes on my phone. Do that. You know what? Turn your phone on and record them. I just thought of that. I should have done that. (laughs) But you can record on your phone, record what they're saying, and then you can play it back. Other things so important to know is uh, medical history, allergies, medications they're taking. My husband had, you know, certain allergies to certain medications, which I did know, thankfully. I did not have a full list of medications he was on. So I did go home and I got, he had been put on a new blood pressure medication and I had no idea what it was, but I went home, got that and brought it back to show the doctors what he was taking. But you want to know what medications they're on, what kind of allergies they may have. Do they have food allergies, medication, latex? You know, there's all different allergies out there and general history. Now, granted, if this is your neighbor, you might not know their full history, With my husband, of course, I knew everything. I knew surgeries he's had in the past. I knew what had kind of been leading up to the incident. So it's helpful, obviously, if you you have that close relationship with someone, you're going to know more about their history. Other thing I want to talk about is why it's so important to, to ask these questions. Know what medications they are putting them on know what um, kind of like the protocol, what's going on. And and I say this because I was going to try to break down different terminology, but you know what? Everything's going to be a little different based on what your loved one, what they're in the hospital for, right? So my husband, as most of you know, had a series of strokes, pretty severe strokes, and he was paralyzed on one side he has apraxia and aphasia, so which means that speech is very difficult. He cannot communicate. Thank God. Let me just say this: that he's gotten better. He's in rehab now, so he is on his, you know, on the road to recovery. But while we were in the hospital, he could not say anything. He could not speak for himself. He also had swallowing issues, and so there's a whole thing called a swallow test, which is done by a speech therapist, and this can affect people with all different kinds of things: pneumonia. A stroke, heart attack, dementia. There's all different different reasons that we may have trouble with swallowing, right? So they do this thing called a swallow test where they give you different varying um, thicknesses of things to just make sure that you can swallow it without coughing. Because what happens is if you are having difficulty swallowing and say they give you water, you choke on it, you, you know, it can go into your lungs. It's called um, aspirational pneumonia. And that's something we don't want to happen. So there's, you know, different levels. There's thickeners that you can put in. Sometimes it's one thickener, sometimes it's two. And they'll say, you know, it's going to be like the consistency of nectar or honey, whatever it is that they have been deemed by the speech therapist that they are able to handle when swallowing. So I give you all that background because my husband, uh, when he went into the hospital, when he went from ICU to a regular hospital room, he was on pureed food because of this risk of choking. So the doctors, and I'm not throwing shade at anyone because I know everyone does their best, 
But this is where I want to say, as an advocate, you have to be the eyes and ears and keep an eye on everything, especially if the person you're caring for is unable to communicate. So in the hospital room, they have, you know, you're in your hospital bed, behind the bed, there's the notes from the speech therapist. It says, no straws, on pureed, you know, it has on there everything. This this person must have pureed food. And then they have a board on the other side of their room with, you know, who the nurse is for the day, you know, who the doctor, all the stuff. And then also pureed, big as can be, pureed diet. And then in this particular hospital, and, and it may be this way in all hospitals now, there is a computer, like a, you know, station set up with a monitor with everything about the person they're caring for. And it has all the medications are taken. I would assume it says puree diet. Okay, so just kind of leading up to all this, a nurse comes in on the weekend and I'm there with my husband because I, I decided because of his inability to communicate that we were not leaving him alone. So for the 13 days he was in the hospital, there was always someone with him. So she comes in and she hands him a little cup with his pills in it with capsules and some big pills. She hands it to him. He grabs it with his good hand and I see what's happening and I immediately grabbed it from him and I said, what are you doing? I said, he's on a pureed diet. He can't swallow those pills. And she said, oh, oh, I didn't see that. I mean, you know what? People make mistakes. Totally. Absolutely. I get that. That's a big mistake. And that is, I guess, my perfect example of why you need to be an advocate and why someone needs to be there if possible all the time, especially if the person cannot communicate. I can't imagine what would have happened had I not been there. Would he have choked on the pill? I mean, because he would have just taken it or tried to take it. So that's, uh, you know, that is something to watch out for and why we are advocates, because all kinds of things could have happened. You know, people came in and they were like, oh, let's get him up, stand him up. And I'm like, do you not see his chart? He's a two-person transfer. You know, I mean, just things that I'm like, why are you not reading about the patient before you come in here? So my son and I, we had a deal that he was going to be covered no matter what. So I stayed all day. My son would come up at night and I would fill him in. This is what's happened. This is what he can't have. This is what we're doing. You know, we just had a plan. And to be honest with you, I think they kind of liked having us there because we did everything. We ordered his food. We fed him, you know, when he needed help being fed. We brushed his teeth. We washed him up. We did everything. And my son and I figured out how to do pretty much everything and take care of him. We also, and then this is the other reason to like really listen as the advocate, watch what they're doing, listen. So his hand, when your hand is immobile, it begins to swell, right? Okay, this is all stuff I just learned. So the occupational therapist came in and said, oh, we need to keep it propped on pillows. Well, then, you know, your next nurse shift comes in and they're repositioning him in the bed and they're not propping him up. You know, I'm saying, hey, let's get some more pillows over here. We need his arm propped up. It's beginning to swell in his hand. Oh, okay. And again, I, I want you to know, I'm not throwing shade at anyone. I know nurses and all medical staff, I know they are busy. There's not enough people. They're taking care of lots of people. We were on, a, am sure, a difficult ward to be on because it was people with strokes and brain injuries. So, I, you know, I'm not throwing shade, but I am just trying to put it out there 
how important it is to be an advocate for your loved one and to to watch. Don't just blindly trust that they're going to do everything right because, hey, they're the professionals, because that's not going to happen in every case, especially someone who is medically fragile, as my husband was in the early days of his hospitalization. So just communicate, as I said, have someone there round the clock if you have to get a neighbor there or whoever. And I, I know sometimes we can't always do that and uh, we don't have enough people to be there, right? And it's hard for one person to be there 24-7. I thank God that, you know, I had my son who could come and relieve me because it's just my little family here in Texas. The rest of my family is out of state. Same thing with my husband's family. So we just really had to make it work. So I get it. And I know it's hard to um, to be the person for to be there all the time. The next thing I want to mention is next steps. Okay, so the whole point, you're in the hospital. And this is my experience, okay? We're in ICU for three days. My husband gets moved to the hospital room, regular room, and in comes a doctor I have never seen. I believe he was an internist. He's making rounds 730 in the morning. And he comes in and he says, oh, okay, great. Let's get him moved out to rehab. Let's get him out of here tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, excuse me? What? And I'm trying to explain to him, here is what's going on. We just came from ICU. Of course, all of this, because his stroke was on Christmas Day, we're running into holidays with New Year's. We have insurance where we can't get in touch with people. And so it puts you in a bit of a panic. So the next day, he comes back in and says it again. And I said, listen, we're going with what the neurologist says. We're not listening to you. You don't even know him. You know nothing about what's going on. I'm listening to the neurologist. And you can do that. You can talk back to doctors. I'm not going to say all doctors, but some doctors can be pretty arrogant. And this guy was. He was like very arrogant and in my face and like, this is what's going to happen. And I had to be arrogant back to him and say, no, that's not what's going to happen. And you need to go talk to his neurologist because I'm not listening to you. And you can do that. That's kind of my story with standing up to doctors. But the next steps... In a perfect world, how it is supposed to work in hospitals is that a case manager is assigned to each person and their name is written on this board with everyone else who's taking care of you. I'm going to preface this by saying I am sure that there are a lot of wonderful caregivers and social workers in hospitals who do their jobs and, and help families move forward. However, that was not our case at the first hospital and it wasn't our case either when we went on to the in-hospital rehab. So what is supposed to happen is a case manager is supposed to come in and see you. Their job is to help you figure out services to either go home, if that's an option, or to go on to the next care, whether that is skilled nursing rehab, an in-hospital rehab, whatever that may be. In my case, and I'm just going to say, thankfully, I know senior living and I knew who to call. Our case manager never came to see me. I called her four times. She never came to see us. She never came to meet my husband until the last day when she came by right before the ambulance came to take him to the rehab. Yeah, not a good experience. It was even a worse experience at the next place. Again, I had to do all my own care planning, set everything up. and. This particular lady was extremely, extremely unkind to me. So I'm not saying that to be like, oh, poor me, but she literally made me cry and I don't cry. 
I'm just not a crier, but she literally made me cry. Anyhow, (laughs) what I'm saying is in a perfect world, and I hope if you have a situation where you're in a hospital, you will get a, a kind and wonderful case manager who will guide you through to what your next step is. But if not, this is where my service comes in. And it has made me realize and talk to my team about this, that we are there for y'all. Okay, so if you have a loved one in the hospital, you call us right away. We know the next steps and we can help you with care planning and we're going to call you by call you back we are going to explain everything to you and we are going to be kind to you as well sometimes we go through these awful experiences that we certainly don't ever want to go to go through or ever imagine that we would go through but there is always a positive on the other side and um, my positive out of this is to be able to serve y'all better, to serve my seniors and their families better and with kindness and dignity and to you know guide you to what is the next step and educate you. Those are my thoughts for y'all on advocacy and being an advocate for your loved one in the hospital throughout this whole process. And as I said, please reach out to us, to myself and my team. We're here for you to help you make that care plan once you're leaving a hospital, whether it's you're going to go home, but you're not sure, you know, maybe you need some help at home. Maybe you need some home health or, or home care or even hospice. And we can walk you through all that and explain how it works. Or if it's going to be something like a stroke, like my husband, where you go on to an in-hospital rehab, we can explain how all that works. What's the difference between in-hospital rehab and a nursing home rehab? Um, you know, we're, we're there for you. We all have the experience. I now have the personal experience, and we want to be there to guide you through this. And um, I don't want anyone to be crying and stressed and not knowing what direction to go in. So that is my promise to you. We will do all we can to to educate and help guide you through this. That's what I have for y'all today. If you didn't listen to the show about ICU, go back to that one and take a listen to. I hope none of you ever have to experience an ICU or hospital, but as we get older, sadly things do happen and you know it can become a part of our experience. But there are resources out here for you. There are people that are there to guide you and help you. Please listen to all the podcasts. Share them with your friends and family. And if you need anything, you find us on the website, which is loriwilliams-seniorservices.com. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. 